can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can into our last study on the Lord's Prayer. It's hard to believe that we're already at this point. We're looking at Thanksgiving and then Christmas, of course, uh, very, very soon. If you have your Bibles, we're back in Matthew chapter 6. And I'd also ask you to turn, uh, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, We'll be there in a little bit as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, one of the things that you must know about when it comes to living the Christian life is temptation. Temptation. 
And there is a difference between temptation and sin. And you need to understand that. Temptation is not sin. They're not the same thing. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Temptation is not sin. Let me say it again. Put it down in your notes, big and bold. Temptation is not sin. Being tempted is not sin. I like what Adrian Rogers said. Adrian Rogers once said, We are not tempted because we are sinful. We are tempted because we are human. And when our great, 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 grandparents, Adam and Eve, were tempted in the garden. Do you remember the circumstances? Do you remember the setting? They were perfect people in a perfect environment, in a perfect garden, with a perfect life, with a perfect God, and yet they were tempted and they failed. And because of what they did, we are where we are today. So if you're human here today, And doing a quick scan, it appears that most people here are human, as far as we can tell. You are going to face temptation. Probably you've already faced temptation this morning. You probably haven't made it this far without facing temptation. You may not have made it past your bedroom door or the back door or front door or wherever it may have been until you were faced with temptation. And then you came in the church door and you may have faced temptation already. Temptation is not sin, but it can lead to to sin. And Jesus, in his perfect prayer here, he addresses it. And I want us to pray together again, as we've done in every one of these um, sermons. I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. All right? Then we'll talk about this whole idea of temptation. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 this morning. And this is the part of the prayer that God, uh, the Lord Jesus gave where it says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we need to clarify some things real quick when it comes to temptation. And make sure that you understand some things uh, as we look at this portion of the prayer. First of all, when it comes to temptation, we have to know the Bible tells us that God does not tempt us to sin. God does not tempt us to do that which is evil. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And so when you're tempted toward evil, when you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to do something wrong, 
That is not from God. God is not the source of that temptation to do evil. However, God does allow temptation to take place in our lives. Just as he allowed temptation to take place in the Garden of Eden. So God does not tempt us to sin. You must understand that. Secondly, God provides an escape from temptation. If you're a child of God, beloved, you don't have to sin. There is a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13 Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God always has a way of escape from temptation. And so when you're tempted to sin, child of God, you don't have to sin. There is a way of escape. Now, sometimes the way of escape is literally to run away. We see that in the Bible. Flee youthful lust. Uh, flee immorality. We see it in the life of Joseph as uh, Potiphar's wife catches him and says, lie with me. He left his coat in her hand and ran and he escaped. And so there's always a way of escape from the temptation. Uh, so we know that God does not tempt us to sin. There's always a way of escape. And then we understand that we face temptation from the world, from our flesh, and from our enemy, the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Romans, uh, excuse me, 1 John 2, 15 and 16. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. When I say the world, I'm not talking about the globe. I'm not talking about the people that make up the world because we are to love them. God loves them. We're talking about the evil world system. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And so we're tempted by the world. We're also tempted by our flesh. We have desires within us. And by the way, the God-given desires that God has placed within you, God is giving you a God-honoring way to meet those desires. We get in trouble when we try to meet them outside of God's will. And so we face temptation from the world. We face temptation from the flesh. And we face temptation from the devil and his evil uh, cohorts. And so some people, no matter what goes on, uh, they say things like, the devil made me do it. They do something wrong. I understand a little boy. uh, He spit on his sister. He hit her with a broomstick. And he called her a bad name. Can you imagine that going on? A little boy hitting his sister, spitting on her and calling her a bad name. And the mother was disciplining the boy. and She was upset. She said, Johnny, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done it. That was so bad. Johnny, the devil made you do that. Little Johnny, he looked up at his mother and said, Well, the devil made me call her a bad name and hit her with a broomstick, but spitting on her was my idea. (laughs) You know, we do a good job, quite often, of... uh, Sinning without the devil's help. Why? Because we have the world that we're dealing with. We have our own flesh that we're dealing with. And then we do have the enemy. So when Jesus says, pray like this, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we know that God does not tempt us to do evil. We know that God provides a way of escape. We know that we're tempted because of the world, the flesh, and the devil. What exactly are we praying? We pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, we're crying out for deliverance. 
We're crying out for help, for assistance, for strength to endure the temptations that we're going to face and we're going to face them. No one's immune to Him. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 38. Uh, Watch Him pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Have you found that to be true in your life? I have. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so when you look at verse 13, and you pray to the Lord, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, really what you're doing is declaring your own weakness and His strength. Your weakness and His strength. Look at it again. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're weak. We need help. And then we declare His strength. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So let's just talk for a few minutes about this idea, first of all, of our weakness. We just finished a Bible study on Wednesday night, and we spent a long time talking about our weakness. And how we need to embrace our weakness. And in embracing our weakness, we are made strong because the Bible says when we're weak, then we are strong because we have God's strength operating in our life. And we have to understand that we cannot live the Christian life in our own strength and our own power. We've got to have His strength. Now, it's good to pray for forgiveness. In fact, we prayed for forgiveness right before we prayed for this part of the prayer, didn't we? We prayed and looked at that passage, forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who... Uh, trespass or indebted to us or sin against us. It's good to pray for forgiveness. We ought to do that. We have to do that every day, don't we? We have to pray for forgiveness. But how much we need to pray that we won't sin in the first place? We, we, we need to begin there. God, help me not to sin. Now, I ask you to open to 1 Corinthians 10. If you have it, if you'll flip there. If not, you can look there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So we think about our weakness. Do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. We're weak. We need help, Father. The spirit is willing. Our flesh is weak. The temptations are strong. The world tempts us. The, our flesh tempts us. The devil tempts us. We need your help. 1 Corinthians 10. Very interesting passage. I'll begin reading at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, talking to believers... I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. They were together, they were in one boat. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But then you look at verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 10. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, I want you to notice what it says in verse 6. Now, these things became our examples. In other words, what happened to the children of Israel in the wandering the wilderness and all that went on there, it says happened for our examples. Keep reading verse 6. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. In other words, learn from what they did. Verse 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain. Wait a minute. Complain? I can understand sexual immorality and idolatry, but he says complain. They were 
major complainers. They were professional complainers. They were murmurers, verse 10. Nor complained, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these, verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, listen, they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Then he says, we already shared it, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. What you're facing, the temptations you're facing, it's not just you, lots of people deal with that. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but will with the temptation also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And so we come and we read about these people in the Bible. We have to realize that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a warfare and we have to wage war against our sinful uh, tendencies, our desires, this evil world, our fleshly desires and our enemy, the devil. And so when you think about all that we're facing, and by the way, there's no shortage of temptation. It's everywhere. You can't go to the grocery store checkout line. You can't go to Walmart. You can't drive down the highway without temptation staring you, sometimes in huge, bold pictures and letters that's all around us. We better pray for deliverance. We better pray for strength. We better pray for help. And that's what he's getting at when he says, and pray this way and lead us not into temptation. Don't let us be overcome by temptation, but deliver us from the evil and the evil one. We pray for deliverance, strength, and help. This brings us to the second part of the verse. We talked about our weakness. We're weak. Let's talk about his strength. His strength. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. After we get done asking God for our needs, we've asked Him for bread, that is the necessities of life, for forgiveness, as we grant forgiveness to others, and also now for protection from uh, temptation and sin and the evil one. Jesus, in this perfect prayer, turns our attention back to the Father. Did you notice that? There's an upward look. And He begins to talk about God's kingdom and God's power and God's glory. And the reason we can confidently pray all that we prayed so far is because of the one that we're praying to. The one who has the kingdom, the one who has the power, the one who has all glory. We are puny, he is mighty. We are weak, he is strong. We are messed up, he is glorious. And if nothing else, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, beloved, when you really pray it, it should cause you to trust God more than you ever have before. More than ever. It should grow your faith stronger than ever. It should make you more dependent upon Him, more trusting upon Him, and furthermore, there should be more peace in your life as you give these needs to Him. Just take today's request. For example, imagine if you prayed every day a prayer like this. First thing, you open your eyes in the morning and you pray this prayer. Lord, help me not to sin today. I know I'm going to be tempted. The temptation's strong. I know I'm going to be tempted more than once. I know I'm going to be tempted in many different areas. I'm going to be tempted to complain and to murmur, to be ungrateful, to sin in various ways. Father, I know the enemy is real. He desires to steal my testimony 
and steal my joy and rob you of your glory in my life. Father, I know that I am weak and I can't do this on my own. And so I cry out to you, please help me not to yield to temptation today. And then you pray the rest of verse 13. Now that day when you face temptation, you've already prayed for strength. And you could furthermore, if you prayed the prayer and really thought through it, you could remember this is not about me today. This is not about my kingdom. This is about his kingdom. I'm weak right now and I want to give in and I want to sin. I'm weak, but he is strong and I can resist in his strength. And this is not about me getting my glory and building my kingdom. It's about his glory and in his power and his strength. I can resist this temptation to the glory of God. You see how you can take your eyes off the temptation and look up and see our glorious Lord. And just by doing that, remembering that His is the kingdom and the power and the glory, it brings strength into your life in order to resist the temptation. Well, we're done with the study, but we're not done with this prayer. As we wrap up this series, I've got to point out something to you. We never outgrow this prayer. You realize that? Why? Well, first of all, because you always have needs. You always need forgiveness. And you always need protection. And he tells us to pray for those things. Furthermore, we must always hallow, set apart, glorify, magnify his name. We're always to be extending his kingdom. And we're always to be doing his will. So we never outgrow this prayer. I don't care if you're 8 or 108. You still need a prayer like this. We don't outgrow it. Instead, I think what happens is we grow in this prayer. And I hope that you've been doing that as you've been praying and studying with us. You've been growing and as you think about it. And the more you pray it, the more you focus upon it. And the way you go, and you realize it begins with God and ends with God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we go down through and we get through our needs. And then what's he do? He brings us right back to the Father again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to ask you, would you pray it with me one more time as we close out the series? Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence again. Thank you for this model prayer that you've given to us. And Lord, may this prayer change us as we cast our burdens upon you, as we rest upon you, as we focus upon you. 
I do pray today if anybody here cannot truly pray that prayer because you're not their father, that they would come today and pray the sinner's prayer and find forgiveness and cleansing and eternal life. And then, Father, whatever else you're speaking to hearts this moment, may we each be obedient to you. And let me encourage you before we sing, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, to talk to the Father about whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has put His finger on in your life right now. Thank you, Father, that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to sing in closing number 90. The altar is open today if you need to come and pray. Number 90, God will take care of you. We'll stand together and sing. Number 90, God will take care of you. Not dismay.